Good morning, church. I'm glad to be home. Was it was very, very excited to be able to go away for a bit. Thank you for the opportunity. It's good to see each of you all here this morning, both members and visitors alike. We thank you for your presence this morning with each of us. Let us go together, please, to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Hallowed be your great and amazing name. Please be with us this morning as we worship you. Bless our worship to be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. That all things that we say and do and the things that we have said and done, we pray they've been pleasing and acceptable unto you. Bless us this morning with reverent minds. Keep our minds from worldly thought and help us to fixate our minds and focus on Jesus, our Lord and Savior, given to us by you. It's in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ we pray these things, but be thy will. Amen. Thank you to all the men who filled in in my absence. I certainly appreciate that very much. Someone once made the statement that it's just not fair, whether it be from a sporting event or, or whether it's on my job or it's in my home life or wherever it is. We've heard at times, maybe we have echoed that very thought ourselves, that it's not fair. And while preparing this lesson, I've thought about and thinking this morning as well, what if God made that statement? Well, that's not my lesson, but I wanted you to have that one this morning. Satan has an argument. And allow me to try to set this up. And I, and I pray I'll have time to finish my lesson this morning, but I'll set it up and, have, and, and I'll get to the point that I'm trying to make uh, at some point throughout the lesson. But Satan has his argument against humans that we are all guilty of sin. And we'd all say, you're right. But he has one more part to that. And none of us deserves to be forgiven. How many of us would say, Satan, you're right? And that's the part I want us to get this morning. Because I don't know that we really feel that way. I don't know that we really, as God's people and even those in the world really have the true conception in our mind, the understanding in our minds that really the reality is none of us deserve to be forgiven. You see, that stings a little bit. I mean, we say it all the time. You hear it on the radio, you know, how are you doing today? Better than I deserve. And, but how many of us really, truly believe that? I mean, we say it, but how many of us truly, truly believe that? See, here's what's sad. The sad part is, Satan kind of knows us a little better than we want to admit that he does. Let me give you two of Satan's greatest points, arguments against humanity. And they're found in the book of Job. We're going to the book of Job, chapter 1. I want you to listen to Satan's first argument about humanity. It's not just about Job. 
But it's about humanity, if you will, in general, though the context is specifically toward Job. The first argument, beginning in verse 9. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Why are you here this morning? What a great question. You know, Satan's argument is, you're not here just because you truly love God, regardless of what goes on in your life. I'm here today, well, I have a reason to fear God. What if I had no reason to fear God? When I love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and I have no reason to fear God, absolutely none at all, would I be here this morning worshiping God? If God had not done wonderful things for me, would I be here this morning worshiping God? Listen to what he continues to say in verse 10. Hast thou not made a hedge about him in his house, and all that he has on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth thy hand now, and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse thee to thy face. Satan's argument. Well, God, the only reason Job's serving you is because you're giving him stuff. So imagine this for a moment, that you and I had absolutely nothing without a promise of receiving anything. And then God comes along and says, will you worship me? Will you honor me? Will you love me? Will you serve me? I'm not giving you anything for it, but will you do it just based on who I am? What would I answer Satan believes that as long as God keeps giving us stuff, we'll serve him. Satan believes that's why when you look at the whole world, that's why Christians are Christians today. He's not right totally. I mean, we know that, but there are some. And maybe that was my motivation for coming to Christ. What about yours? Satan believes, chapter 2, his next greatest argument. The first is, we're just serving God to get stuff. His second is this, chapter 2, verse 1. And again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself to the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? And then Satan answered the Lord and said, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. And he still holds fast his integrity. Although you've incited me against him to ruin him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Okay, maybe it wasn't just his stuff. But God, you take away all of his stuff and then you inflict him with a horrible physical life of pain and agony and suffering. Skin for skin, 
Yes, all that a man has will he give for his life. And God says, How will put forth thy hand now and touch his bone and his flesh? Well, Satan says that rather. He will curse thee to thy face. Yeah, make him sick. Let him get sick, right? First take all the stuff and then, then let him get sick, right? And there's no promise he's going to get better. And then ask him to worship you. And you watch. They don't really love you, God. They only love you because you're giving them stuff. And the promise of good health. Is that how I feel about God? This morning. Is that how you feel about God this morning? When you really think about it, step away for just a moment from all of our prosperity and all the blessings that we have. Is that, is that the way I feel about God? And, and here was Satan's trap, right? Satan's trap. And, and we know it's true because listen to what Job's wife said. She said, does thou not fear God? Listen to what she says in verse 9. Then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? Do what the rest of the world does. Curse God and die. It's not worth serving God if this is what it's going to be like. Why do you serve God this morning? I, I need us to get this, see, because we, we can't really get the main point of the lesson. I mean, truly deep in our hearts until we get this part. This is so critical. This part is so important. Is that the way I feel? I mean, you might say, I might say, well, wait a minute, it's not fair if... I remember thinking that to myself, well, you know, why doesn't God just make all of his people blessed, right? And, and they'll have all the, the blessings and the good health and the strength and all this. And then, and then the whole world will serve God, right? Yeah, that's what Satan says. <laughs> I was in line with Satan. Get off that line, church. I was on that line for a while. I thought, if God would just give all the Christians prosperity and health and blessings and all this goodness, the world would look and see it and they would say, hey, I want that too. Not I want God, but I want the health and the prosperity and the blessings and the... That's a dangerous line to be on. That's the wrong line to be on. Job's wife suffered along with Job, as she witnessed all the things going on that was also a part of her life and inflicted her as well. She fell right in line with most of us. In verse 11 of Job chapter 1, But put forth thy hand now and touch all that he has and he will curse thee to thy faith. And sadly, he was right. Satan's argument is this. All mankind were guilty of sin. And none of us deserves what we have. None of us deserves our good health. None of us deserve the prosperity that we have. None of us deserve to be forgiven. No, not 
one. We might say, wait, but that's not fair. But he's right. Isn't he? That's the struggling part in our Christian journey. If God were to tell us, for example, I'm going to Zechariah chapter 3. If God were to tell us that there's no blessing in store, there's no heaven, there's no hell, there's no goodness, nor is there evil, life is just what it is, the cookies fall where they fall, things are just going to happen, I'm not going to oversee the world, I'm just going to wind it up and let it go. But I want you to serve me. I want you to get up on Sunday morning. I want you to come and worship me. I want you to love me with all of your mind, heart, soul, and strength. There are no consequences for evil. I just want you to love me based on who I am and what I have done. I am the creator. How many people would worship God? And then how many of us would just sit back and say, well, it's not fair to worship God if you're not going to give us anything. You're not going to take care of us. Then then why should I serve you, God? All right. Here's what Satan knows about us. We even have a price. Doesn't know what our price is. Zechariah 3 and verse 1. Listen to the text. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And so he has this long list, if you will. And go, here, here he is, God. Here's Joshua, the high priest. Look at this man's rap sheet. Look at all of his sins, God. The man is guilty of sin and does not deserve to be forgiven. In fact, let me tell you something about him, God. This man that you call a high priest is a filthy man. Would you raise your hand on that one and say, yeah, I'm, I'm filthy too? Well, well, first look at the text. Zechariah 3 and verse 3. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel. Satan was right about Joshua. Is he right about me? Is he right about you? Oh, no, preacher. <laughs> I'm not filthy. Really? Revelation 12. Satan's argument is it's just not fair because those people, humans, Christians or not, are filthy just like me. <laughs> oh, Satan, I'm nothing like you. And Satan says, okay, all right, hang on for a second. Genesis 3, I told a lie. Eve fell for it. Have you ever told a lie, preacher? Ah, oh, man, yeah. Yeah, I told one. Yeah, I went to hell. I was in hell for that. I was in hell for fighting against God. I went up against God. I fought the very will of God, and I went to hell for that. Preacher, have you ever fought the will of God? Ah, Preacher, I'm a murderer. You ever murder anyone? Well, no, 
No, I, I never. You ever hated someone? Well, well, yeah, I mean, then you know God said that's the same as murder. You're just like me, preacher. And you don't deserve to be forgiven. And I'd say, no, no, Satan, it's not fair. Because, because I'm me, right? In chapter 12 in Revelation, there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels waged war against, uh, with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels waged war. And they were not strong enough. And there were no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. The servant of old was called the devil. And Satan, who deceives the whole world, was thrown down to the earth. And his angels were thrown down with him. Preacher, you ever, you ever deceive someone? You know, kind of get what you want, what you wanted. Well, I, I don't, I don't know. Well, let, let's start when you were younger and you were trying to get what you wanted out of your parents, preacher. Oh, everybody's going to be there. I've got to. Ever done that? See, Satan's argument is this: it's not fair. See, because you people, we. Romans chapter 3, please. We're just like him. And sin. I, I'm just as filthy. When I think of filth, I mean, we, you know, the Bible, when it, when it uses the word filth, it, it doesn't, it, I don't know that the, the, the true depiction of filth is, is embedded into my mind to understand what filth really is. I mean, filth is not, I was out playing in the mud. And today I'm filthy. Filth is that, that moth-eaten, maggot-filled bag of smelly trash that's been sitting for a while. That's filth. That's Satan. That's me. How about you? Oh, no, preacher, that's not me. <laughs> I'm not. Romans 3 and the verse is 23. The Bible's clear about all of us. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Filth. Sadly, some of us are still, even as God's people, living in that filth. And we've gotten kind of used to it. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. And you know, I, you know, like many of you, back in the days, a few years ago, you get COVID, and I, I'm still struggling with that smell thing, you know. Hadn't really come back fully. I can stay around a little more filth now, right? Physically speaking. Am I like Am I like Satan in some ways? I sure hope not. And say, well, wait a minute, God, what do you think? And God says, Tony, you are. And you're not worthy. On your own. And you're full of filth. Sin. How many of you 
How many of you sinned this week? Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 20, the Bible says to us with, with, with clarity, indeed there is not a righteous man on earth who continually does good and who never sins. And Satan says, see, that just like me. Romans 5, please. See, the idea of coming to Christ is to, is to stay away from sin. The idea of coming to Christ is to live a life that is worthy. Coming to Christ and being a Christian is to live a life for Jesus. To make sacrifices for Jesus. To give my heart, my mind, my soul to God. To live for God. Not straddle the fence. That's not what God was asking us to do. Not to be lukewarm. That is not what God was asking us to do. Get out of the filth. That's what God was asking us to do. Satan says, it's not fair. <laughs> They're just like me, God. Romans 5 and verse 12, the Bible says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. And then in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin, not plural, the wages of sin is death. John chapter 20. So here's what the Bible is explaining to us. That mankind is full of unrighteousness, filled with wickedness and, and evil. From, from the Bible school teacher and the preacher, the elder, all the way down to everyone else. Every one of us. And you know why it's hard to see that? Because we compare ourselves to each other. Right? Filth to filth. It feels better, right? It feels better to compare myself to Philip when I'm looking in the presence of Philip. <laughs> I don't want to compare myself to Satan, and I definitely don't want to compare myself to God. And so then I get this idea that on my own, I'm worth something. You know, that I have this value. Here I am, I just filled. I'm smelly, I'm filthy, I'm yucky, I'm icky, and yet I have the mind and the audacity to look to God and go, Hey God, but you owe me something. Look at me, God. And then if I get sick, God, that's not fair. If I lose the things that I own and, and my anger and frustration, it's just not fair. Life isn't fair. Hmm. I even kind of sound like Satan sometimes. All right. I need to set that up. I hope you... Oh, somewhere in there you were able to say. All right. I get it. Uh, I think Isaiah says, just to, just to kind of say, well, preacher, you shouldn't have said that. You kind of offended me. Well, the book of Isaiah says that we're, even our righteous deeds are what? Filthy rags. Just to get some Bible on that. But there's something about humans that is different from Satan and his angels. There's something about this word faith that makes us uniquely different. In, in John 20, when, when Jesus appeared to Thomas after the resurrection, I want to grab just verse 28. 
Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? So here's this thing. Jesus says, Okay, it's one thing to see me and believe, but where was your faith? I'm going to get to Satan in a, in, a, in a moment on that. But then Jesus finishes out that that phrase, if you will, that sentence, with another sentence. He follows it and says, Blessed are they who do not see and yet believe. And so now I'm, I'm getting this understanding that God is talking about us, those who have not seen uh, to the last man that lives on the earth. There's this difference between Satan and his angels and humans. Now, now watch. Turn to Hebrews chapter 2. There's something that God does not do for those who can see. I'm dealing with the angelic realm. Versus those who have not seen. And in Hebrews 2, beginning at verse 16, the Bible says, For assuredly, God, He does not give help to angels, but He gives help to the, help to the descendants of Abraham. So watch what's happening now. Now Satan has has seen. And Satan was in the presence of the almighty great God. He doesn't have to have faith. The angels don't don't have faith because they are witnesses, eyewitnesses of all that has transpired. All the things that have gone on, Satan was an eyewitness to it. So faith is not something that to be discussed for Satan, but something to be discussed for us. Let me come back to that in just a moment. Verse 17. Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things, that he might become merciful, a merciful and a faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he suffered, he's able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. And so here's this, this next idea. Now turn to Job 38. Though, though we understand that, that the angels, if you will, and, and Satan saw God, witnessed God. They were, they were in the presence of God. There's no doubt whether God existed. They understood they were created by God. It wasn't a faith thing. In fact, Job 38, beginning at verse 4, the text says, speaking of the angels, he's asking a question of Job. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who set its measurements since you know? Or who stretched the line on it? And on what were its bases sunk? And who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, they were present at the creation. They were created by God in the very beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. They were created by God and then they watched a part or a portion of the creation. There's no faith with the angels. So God doesn't have to help angels. And he doesn't help angels. Satan may be like Cain, thanks to himself. I'm going back to Revelation, please, chapter 12. But God, my punishment is too great. And yet, and yet there's no faith. If there's no faith, you saw it all. 
Revelation 12 and in verse 12, and as a result of all that has happened, if you will, in the heavenlies with, with Satan and his war and in the, in his sin and the evilness and wickedness uh, within himself, we're just going to grab verse, verse 12. He became angry with us because of, because of our faith. Verse 12 says, For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. So someone says, you know, there are people on the earth, sadly, who are sympathizers of Satan, saying, you know, it's not fair that Satan has to spend an eternity in hell. You know, you know why won't God forgive him like he's forgiven us? <laughs> There's no faith with Satan, people. There's no faith. It doesn't have to be. Because Satan knows. Back to Zechariah. I'm going to ask you a few questions regarding our faith. What do you know? You ever had Christians say, well, I know I shouldn't, but call that Billy Goat religion, but, 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 I know what I ought to do. Why aren't I doing what I know I ought to do? Faith. Zechariah chapter 3. Look at what the Lord said to Satan. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord has chosen Jerusalem. Rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? And Satan is saying, yeah, but God, he's just like me. He's full of sin. And God says, I rebuke you, Satan. That's my child. Verse 4. And he spoke and said to those who were standing before him, saying, Remove the filthy garments from him. Again, he said to him, See, I have taken your iniquity away from you and will clothe you with festival robes. All right. So here comes the question, right? This great question. Obviously, all of mankind, let's just talk about us. All of us are guilty, y'all with me on this, right, of sin, and we're all filthy, right? Everybody with me on that? Just want to make sure y'all agree. Maybe some of you don't, but that's all right. We all agree. We all understand, at least, we're all guilty of sin. We all understand there's this measure of faith that we have in God, and, and we're not always doing what we ought to do, but, but church, we understand something, and this is really important. Somebody's got to pay for your sin. And if you're not a Christian today, no one's paid for your sin. If you're a Christian today and you haven't repented, you have sins that you have not repented of, you're going to pay for your sin. Somebody has to pay for the sin. So how does God, imagine this, now you go before the judge, and the judge, someone tells a lie, right, a perjury, and, and so they're, they're perjurous, and, and the judge says, well, that's okay, I'll, I'll let you slide on this one. And then and the next person comes on, does the same thing, and the judge says, 10 years in jail. You're going to wait. That's not fair. Well, where's the justice in this? So here's my question to you this morning. How can God 
remain just and pure and holy, even before Satan, if you will, if he justifies the guilty. How can God do that? How can God say, all right, well, this person right here, you're going to pay this penalty for your sin into the hell fires. And then this person over here who does the same thing, and God says, you know what, but this guy right here is a brand plucked. This, this person here is forgiven of their sins, and they're all right. How does God remain pure? Somebody has to pay for that sin. This is all I was trying to get to, is this part right here, church. If you don't love Jesus this morning, turn to Isaiah 53. If you don't love Jesus this morning with all, all of your mind, your heart, your body, your soul, your strength, this morning, if you don't have this amazing appreciation and love for God, this, this amazing indebtedness, feeling this indebtedness to Jesus for my sins. See, when Jesus took on the sins, he took on, let's not say the sins of the world, although the text says that, but I'm part of the world. He took on my sins. If you don't love Jesus with all of your mind, heart, soul, and strength this morning, I hope you get there. If you don't appreciate what he's done, I'm like Joshua, the high priest, standing before God, and Satan is standing there accusing me, and he says, this guy right here is filthy, Lord. He, he, was, your, he was your preacher man. He was, he was a, a member of the church. He was, he was all this, and, and he's filthy. And, and God says, somebody had to pay the price for his sins, Satan. It's not going to be him. It's me. I'm going to pay the price for his sin. And I'm going to do it for 33, almost whatever those number of years are. 33, not just on the cross. I'm going to come to the earth and I'm going to be ill-treated. I'm going to be disrespected by these human beings who are full of filth. I'm going to come among them and they're not going to believe what they see with their own eyes. I'm going to come among them and I'm going to bring them the word. I'm going to give them the Bible. I'm going to show them the truth. And they're going to understand it by faith. And yet so many of them are going to still spit in my face. And so many of them are going to be saved and yet they're going to walk away. They're going to turn their back on me. They're going to straddle the fence. But I'm still going to die for them anyway. And I'm going to live for them. And I have to live a perfect life for them. And that's what he did for me. And would I have the audacity to spit in his face? How about you? I, I want to get out of the filth, church. Surely our griefs he himself bore. Not his griefs, church. Yours. Mine. Our sorrows. He carried them. You say, preacher, Lord, where are you? Lord says, I'm carrying your sorrows, preacher. Yeah, we ourselves esteem him stricken. 
smitten of God and afflicted. Tomorrow I'm going to leave this building today. I'm going to leave this building today and tomorrow I'm going to curse God to his face. I'm going to use his name in vain. I'm going to live in sin. I'm going to be unfaithful. That's what I'm going to be even though God has done all of this for me. And Satan says, see, I told you they're just like me. Wow, I guess I am. Yeah, I don't want to be that way anymore. How about you, church? But he was pierced through for our transgressions. Put your name there. Tony. He was pierced through, Tony, for your transgressions. He was crushed, Tony, because you sinned. Because you lived the way you lived. He had to go to the cross for you. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And he was scourged for me. And by his scourging, we are healed. And Tony, you like everybody else, all of us like sheep, gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. But here's what I'm going to do for you. But the Lord caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon him. Somebody's got to pay for your sin, Tony. I'm going to do it. Just for you. Because you're filthy. And you don't even know it. Because you're filthy and you won't even admit it. He was oppressed. And he was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that is silent before its shears. So he did not open his mouth. And by oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for the generation who considered, they was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of Tony Cloud. For the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. And his grave was assigned with, with wicked men, and yet he's with the rich man in his death, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. He was innocent, he was perfect, and he was pure, and, and I was not. Satan says, I don't know why you died for them people. Some of them folks are going to leave here this morning, going to start complaining. You know, the preacher preached too long this morning. Y'all know it. Some of y'all are going to walk out of this building and say, I don't know. I, you know, brother so-and-so, sister so I know you're going to. It's like, it's like we forget the price that he paid. It's like we forget the filth that we're, every time you live in sin, you're living in this filth and, and the arrogance in the church and the pride needs to go away. And it's, we're just filled with all this stuff. And then there's a sad scripture in verse 10 where it says, but the Lord was pleased. Wait a minute, Father. You, you were pleased to do what? what? What did you do, Father? And you did it because you were pleased to do it. And you have my name written all over. What did you do, God? I was pleased to crush my own son for you. Oh, man, I... I church, I, I don't know. I, I'm just so thankful this morning. 
But he was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If, Father, remove this cup that has Tony's name on it. If there's another way. But not my will, Father, your will be done. And Father said, no. I I know Tony's filthy. I I know he's just stench. I I know that. But I I need you to die for him. Put your name in there this morning, church. But the Lord was pleased to crush him. Putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring He'll prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hands. Satan says, I'm telling you, God, they're not worth it. Why didn't you just die for me instead of them? Yeah, God, that would be worth it. It's just not fair. And, and church, I'm closing. I'm going to give you two scriptures and we'll go. First John chapter 2. And, and, if, and if we could say it's not fair that, that you know, uh, Satan says it's not fair that, that God would die for, for humans and, and we just got to say, Lord, thank you for not being fair if that's the case. Somebody has to pay for your sins, church. Somebody has to pay for my sins. Number one, I, I don't want to sin anymore. This morning, if you are a, a child of God and you have sinned in your life, somebody's got to pay for that sin. Have you repented of your sin? See, because God tells you, you have to repent of your sin to be forgiven. Right? As a child of God. Have you repented of that sin? Or is pride holding you back? Jesus is and was. My little children, verse 1. I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is a propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. Anybody this morning, anyone this morning that wants to come to Jesus, I'm closing in Romans chapter 3, anyone this morning that wants to come to Jesus, God welcomes you. You come by surrendering him in the waters of baptism. You hear his word, you believe it, you, you repent, you have godly sorrow in your heart. You no longer want to live the way you used to live. You confess his name before men, you're baptized into Christ, and all your sins are washed away. And God was pleased to crush the, the Son, even for you. Is there anyone this morning? Romans 3 and verse 25. Speaking of Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because of the forbearance of God. He passed over the sins previously committed. That's another sermon. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in 
Jesus. How's your faith this morning? If we can help in any way, please come. All together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Right.